From the courtroom to the tabloids, welcome to All Rise. All Rise swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Your host, Dylan Howard. Fox News firebrand Sean Hannity locked in a ferocious brawl with a top GOP senator. He talks exclusively to All Rise. The FBI examining crucial new evidence in the mysterious disappearance of 13-year-old Jamie Kloss. We'll have the very latest details on a case that has stunned the nation. He quit the fugitive chasing business after 40 years, but Dwayne Chapman, also known as Dog the Bounty Hunter, is back in business, and his most recent capture, someone tied to the Tiger Woods scandal. We have exclusive audio of that stunning capture. Plus, Meg Ryan engaged, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie at war. It's a jam-packed All Rise, Season 2, Episode 3. You got it, you. Get back, Michael. Get back, buddy. Get back. What's your name? Jamie. What's your... Ow. What's your name? Jamie. Get her purse. It's underneath my jacket. All right, cut the straps on it. You got anything else on you? No, sir, I don't. Can yep. you please not be filmed? Why, you like that filming? I don't like it. Yeah, you do. You're filming all the time. You like it, right? I don't. I never film. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, whatever. What is this? That was audio of a midnight raid on a house in Las Vegas where the world-famous dog, the Bounty Hunter, rescued Tiger Woods' former mistress, Jamie Jungers, from a very serious and deplorable situation. Joining me on the line for an exclusive All Rise interview is Dwayne Chapman, dog, the Bounty Hunter. Dog, tell me, what took place in Vegas on Monday night? Well, uh, you know, we were after Jamie for interstate flight to avoid prosecution. Plus, so that means, you know, she was going from one state to another to avoid prosecution, which is a federal charge. And they were just getting ready to file that on her. And then the, the charges that were filed were fraud, forgery, and charges like that. So we worked uh, relentlessly for seven days in Las Vegas, setting traps everywhere. And finally, one of the, uh, let's call them rats, took the trap. What sort of trap did you set up? Well, we had passed, we had passed reward mugshots all across Vegas. Almost everybody there knew who she was. She had a lot, a lot of friends, this girl, because the world she was in, you know, is like that. So a lot of people was trying to hide her. And, uh, you know, this was a very difficult find and a very difficult arrest. What condition was she in when you found her? Well, according to, you know, I didn't know her before that, Dylan, but the pictures I saw, she was the cover girl of Vanity Fair once. Yeah, she's a a beautiful blonde woman. Oh, yeah. And from that picture to when we found her, it was a completely different person. She has a birthmark, Dylan, on her bottom lip on the left side and the only thing that i could actually see you know 40 years doing this was that the only thing that matched in the pictures was the birthmark wow 
What sort of world was she wrapped up in? Drugs, heroin, and uh, methamphetamine. So was she being harboured by these people? Were they wanting to keep her away from authorities because they were using with her or using her? Well, they were both. Some of them, you know, most of them I talked to said, I said, well, how does she make her money? And they said, she don't use money. She uses her, actually, well, he said, we use, we, she has sex with us. So the three or four guys that I had met that were supplying her with, you know, allegedly supplying her, said that she used drugs to, or she used sex to get the drugs. So you turned Jamie over to the Las Vegas Metro Police Department. What happened from there? I mean, a lot of people wouldn't understand. She was obviously wanted for skipping bail in Kansas. You turn her into another law enforcement agency in another state. What goes on from here? Well, uh, Dylan, in Nevada, one of the only states in America, if you do an arrest there, even though I'm licensed in several states, you must be licensed in Nevada. The guy in Nevada has to actually do the laying on of hands or the actual arrest. So we had Victor, Vic, an ex-Marine, who was with us, and he had to do the actual grabbing her. And then from that point, you know, then I took control. And we called the police because a couple of the thugs were following us. You know, to, I don't know where they thought that they were going to follow us to the jail, but the police were very, very cooperative. It happened to be a, uh, a young officer from Wahiwa, Hawaii. So as soon as we uh, pulled up, he recognized me and he said, what we say in Hawaii a lot, how's it, brother? And I, I just got so goosebumps all over <laughs> me because I thought, thank God an angel is here. Hmm. But Dylan, let me tell you that, you know, that's part one. And I, you know me, you're my friend. Now there's part two. Yeah. We have, as you know, Beth and I have joined a rehabilitation yeah. company. And we, I just talked to the guy who owns it. And he said, dog, if we can get Jamie to come in, we'll put her through, through the rehab for free. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, she's, she, Dylan, she's had that dog. The little dog's name is Apple. It's nine years old, and since the dog was born, her mother, her father, her sister, anybody knows her, told me she does not, that dog does not leave her sight. You so can- we, had cap- we had captured the dog because the first night she took off running, and of course she outran the dog, not me, but the little one. <laughs> so we, gra- we grabbed the little dog, t- using it as bait, and she just like didn't care. The drugs, of course, told her what to do. And the drug told her, you know, don't turn yourself in. So she, when, when she was captured, all she kept saying, dog, where's my dog? Dog, where's my apple? Dog, please. I said, Jamie, if you go to rehab and you come out of there, okay. I said, you're going to get your dog back because we have the dog in a secure location. But I said, if you uh, backslide, I'm going to come back and take your dog back again. And she started crying and she said to me, the last words were, dog, thank you for saving my life. And that's the footnote to this story. As dramatic as the capture was, it's hard not to think just how unfortunate it is that Jamie Jungers has fallen on tough times since she was catapulted into the news when it was exposed that she was in a relationship in 2009, 10 years ago, with Tiger Woods. She once told the Today Show she never even got a birthday card from Tiger. She got nothing out of the relationship. 
but a broken heart. And as the old saying goes, fame does kill. In this instance, though, Dwayne Dog Chapman, I must applaud you. It would seem as though you've avoided fame potentially taking the life of another victim. Absolutely. She was so depressed, brother, that she didn't care how much of the drugs she did at one time. She did a, a huge amount, she told me, uh, expecting to die. So uh, I, I do believe really that this time we saved her life. And she was, you know, uh, she was a girl and she was like a little girl. You know, I've got daughters and I understand. And I, uh, you know, in the beginning, Dylan, I chased her with relentless you know, I was on her. And after we captured her, I started feeling so sorry for her that, you know, I just I just felt I felt not pity, but I felt sorry that she was lost in that drug world. And I do believe that there's hope if we can get her off those drugs and she can realize this is not the road and everyone doesn't hate her because she thinks because she turned in Tiger Woods that the whole world hates her. So uh, I think, you know, it was... I'm waiting to hear from her now. She's got my cell. She can call me, collect from the jail. And I told her, if you want to go to rehab, uh, I might be able to help you. I didn't get a chance to tell her that we'll take the rehab will take her in for no charge. But the president of the rehab called me and said, uh, you know, we'll charge it to you, dog. And, and uh, in other words, <laughs> it's free. <laughs> well, a heartwarming end to a very dramatic story. And you can read all about it. Dogs Justice, Collaring Crooks, Coast to Coast and Around the World, your all-new brand spanking column in the National Enquirer on newsstands next Wednesday. The full untold story about the dramatic capture and hopefully turnaround of Jamie Jungers. Dwayne the Dog Chapman, thank you very much for joining me on All Rise. Yes, sir, brother. You be safe. God bless you. Thank you. Breaking news. The FBI is examining new surveillance video taken from an expanded area around the Wisconsin home where a couple was shot and killed and their daughter abducted. Joining me on the line is the sheriff leading the investigation, Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald of Barron County. First of all, Sheriff, thank you very much for joining us. What's the very latest on this new surveillance video? What we have is we have a team um, from all over the nation, an FBI specialized team in video surveillance, and they've came up to the Barron area and collected uh, more video and expanded video search from the original uh, expansion. And they've taken that video back to Milwaukee, and they're right now processing that video and putting it into what I'm calling a movie form. I'm sure there's a more technical term, but instead of looking at the video surveillance from this gas station, this gas station, they're, they're combining it all together in the same time frame. So to make it easier to view, and then they're also looking uh, for different targets on the on the video and um, we're waiting for that video to be done they hope to be done in the next couple days with that do you have any idea whether 13 year old jamie Kloss is on this video uh no we do not think that she is we don't know she is but we are looking for maybe a vehicle of interest or something like that but we did expand our our search area of video that we originally take originally took we did expand that for several uh, more miles out in fact um, probably close to 30 more miles in each direction uh, we went and so hopefully we were able to 
obtain some kind of video evidence and, and there's nothing saying she might not be or won't be on that video. Um, but at this time, we do not have a location of Jamie or, or, or her whereabouts. Sheriff Fitzgerald, you have more than 80 videos that have been collected as part of this investigation from various businesses and other locations. Is there any consistent theme in any of the videos, i.e., is there one particular vehicle that is potentially a target vehicle that could help lead you to Jamie? That's what we hope when we put this video together. When we piece the original first 80, and now they've collected more, and I do not have I don't have the number of how many more videos they've collected, but they've collected more video. Um, they're slowing that video down. These are video experts from across the nation uh, looking at this video now and trying uh, something new um, uh, that the FBI has done in the past, but new to this case and new to this area. So um, we hope that they'll, they'll come up with a vehicle of interest maybe, or a, a, like you said, a target vehicle. Um, that's what we hope comes out of our, our this new part of the investigation. Previously, authorities have said that they were searching for two cars, a red or orange Dodge Challenger and a black Ford Edge or potentially a black Acura. Is that still the case? Are they still active target vehicles? Yeah, the orange Charger or red Charger is is probably not an, a, an active vehicle as much anymore as we originally thought um, based on some headlight samples. We're not quite sure. Uh, what kind of car that is, to be honest. Um, the black vehicle is still a, of interest, um, but there's we don't have a – we're trying to – again, these experts are going to try to narrow that down and maybe get a better, slower image of that vehicle that we can send out to our vehicle experts across the nation that the FBI uses to basically say, you know, this is a – now it's a 2000 and whatever. It's very specific model and make, uh, um, and that's what we hope that comes out of this video is – some different targets, but we're still looking for the black vehicle. Uh, the red charger is kind of out of play right now, uh, depending on what they come up with with this video. Do you still believe that Jamie Kloss is alive? Yes, definitely. I, I have a lot of hope that she's still alive and some of it's hope uh, and being a glass half full kind of guy, but there is a lot of, of previous cases across the country where Girls or kids or boys were taken from homes. Uh, Elizabeth Smart, the Cleveland case, and and were alive months and years later. So yes, there is a lot of hope uh, that Jamie's still alive out there. In these types of investigations, do you reach out to people like Elizabeth Smart for perhaps guidance or education yeah. on what these potential kidnappers do? Yeah, the Jacob Wetterling Foundation was a famous case. They've reached out to us. The Elizabeth Smart Foundation has shared a lot of our a, a lot of our, our Facebook posts. Um, she has not reached out to me directly, but she has um, reached out and uh, shared some of our information and said, "Keep the hope alive." So, when you consider this case, it is staggering. It began with a cryptic nine one one call from. Jamie's mother's cell phone. No one spoke to the police dispatcher on the other end, but police had responded within minutes. Mm -hmm. When authorities arrived at the house just four minutes later, they found Denise Kloss and her husband, James, shot to death execution style inside their home. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea if the sole motivation in this case was abduction or was there something more nefarious? That's the million-dollar question that we're working on um, right now. Uh, it's to determine the motive, who the target was, 
and and why they were the target. But no, at this time in the case, um, we do not know who the target was. Do you have any suspects? We do not have any suspects either. Do you have any physical evidence? We have some physical evidence that's being reviewed by our crime lab and our FBI friends, but at this time, I'm not able to release anything and nothing to drive us to a point where we can determine who the target was uh, and which family member um, was the target. Is there a likely scenario that you've put together, i.e. she could be the victim of a sexually motivated kidnapping and her parents got in the way or they had to execute the parents? There's no there's no motive that's being put on the table right now or being taken off the table, I should say. So, no, all of those avenues are being discussed a- as we speak, and every one of those theories that people have out there is still being looked at. Nothing's been taken off the table. We're families still being looked at. Friends are being looked at. Coworkers, um, sex trafficking. Yeah, all of those things are still on the table, and we're not able to determine at this time what that is. Is the case getting colder, though? No. Um, well, the tips have died down, but the, the drive and determination of our deputies and officers uh, working this case is still at, at a high point. I wanted to ask you, a small town rocked by a heinous crime, rocked by a dramatic and sensational crime, how is the local community dealing with this? Well, they're scared. They're angry. They are upset, um, but there is a lot of hope. Um, And if that's the one thing that comes out of this case, because through every tragedy, there's usually something that comes out good and a lot of hope and a lot of neighbors, uh, meeting neighbors have come out of here and uh, and met each other and worked on this case. And something that is my 10 years as sheriff we've wanted to put together is neighbors taking care of neighbors. And that's the one good thing that's come out of this case and we hope continues is the neighbors taking care of neighbors. So, But it is a, a very scary thing. Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald from Barron County, a case that has dominated national headlines, but still to this very day, almost a month after Jamie Kloss disappeared, remains a focal point of interest as you and other law enforcement agencies attempt to try and crack this case. Sheriff Fitzgerald, thanks very much for joining me on All Rise. Thank you. And the relatives of the Kloss family, meanwhile, are saying that they are convinced the brutal murders and apparent abduction were carefully planned. Jamie Kloss's uncle told a Fox affiliate in that hometown, if this wasn't random, quote, it wouldn't, there'd be more evidence. I think this was targeted, planned, added Jamie's aunt. All right, a short break, and we'll be back with more All Rise. Breaking news. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie headed back to court on December 4 to begin the custody battle over their six children. Now, this has escalated from what seemingly was a peaceful divorce to one of the nastiest and ugliest splits in recent Hollywood history. Joining me on the line is James Mueller, the managing partner of Verna Brumley Mueller Parker one of the largest family divorce law firms in the country. Councillor Mueller, thank you very much for your time. Hopefully people don't get you confused with Robert Mueller. <laughs> that man has ruined the pronunciation of my last name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> On to a perhaps less serious matter, but still a matter of interest to many, the Jolie Pitt divorce. 
The fact of the matter here is that this pair has not reached an amicable custody agreement since Jolie filed for divorce in 2016. And as a result of this, the children have been spending a majority of their time in their mother's care. But Brad seemingly wants equal custody. What is the very latest on this case? It's fascinating to me that we have this couple, who's obviously a very high-profile couple, choosing to essentially air their dirty laundry in the public. Uh, I'm shocked that I, I agree to have a private judge, but that being said, as we can easily find out, these proceedings are still public. And the latest that we have here is both sides are so far apart from the other one. Angelina's looking to get sole custody of all six kids. Well, we have Brad looking for an equal 50-50 joint custody split. And the only way to go about doing that in this kind of a custody battle is to truly air the other side's dirty laundry. And so it's going to be a battle of mudslinging when they go to court. And I think inevitably, one of the precipitous reasons for this supposed divorce was what happened on the plane, that infamous incident on the plane. So I can only imagine that the children who were on that plane will be forced to give evidence and effectively take sides. And that's the worst part about this is if you think about it, their divorce started two years ago. Depending on how long their trial goes, we're going to be going into 2019 and they will not have finished it up. And those kids are in the middle of everything. And I am sure by now they've been through a litany of counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists interviewing them and asking them for their opinion. And it just puts the kids, frankly, through hell. But the parents are also bent on, I want to get my way. A source telling us weekly recently that Angelina has interfered with the amount of time that Brad has been able to spend with his kids, going on to say such things as the kids have been late to custodial visits, Brad's been unable to reach anyone on Angelina's side for answers. So it seemingly on the face would seem that these two really are arch enemies. It does. And I'll tell you what I think the angle that they're going to have now, which has been a source of contention in many divorces across the country, is Brad, his side of the case is going to start saying that Angelina is playing a huge role in parental alienation and doing everything she can to keep him from being an active father, which in turn is what they're going to argue is bad and detrimental for the children. So sometimes what's in these types of cases, what we see is if the judge agrees with Brad's side of the case, not only could it be 50-50 custody where he has equal time, but if they find that Angelina is actively interfering and alienating Brad from the rest of the kids, the judge could flip custody and give custody to Brad. Wow. That would be a stunning development. James Mueller, author of Divorce in Texas, The Legal Process, Your Rights and What to Expect, available on Amazon. Thank you very much for joining me on All Rise. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. From divorce to a love story at last. Now, this Monday night, I attended the Friars Club Entertainment Icon Award event at the world-famous Ziegfeld Ballroom here in New York City. It was an event to honour Billy Crystal, a very good friend of Meg Ryan, and on the red carpet, the actress debuted and flaunted her engagement ring after announcing she's getting married to rocker John Mellencamp. 
the editor of OK Magazine, James Robertson, broke this story. James, what can you tell us about this secret engagement? Now, they have always been ultra-private ever since they first began dating in 2011. Now, many people close to them were still insistent, even after we broke the story in OK Magazine, that they were not engaged. Now, once our magazines hit the newsstands, Meg came out and went public, flaunting the ring and shared the good news with all of her fans. Now, they relate on so many levels. John loves her intellect, her personality and sense of humour, and she's just in awe of his talent. Neither of them are particularly obsessed with Hollywood, like many celebrity couples. I'm told that wedding plans have been in place for some time now, so much so that many friends thought they had actually married in secret, but I'm hearing there will be an at-home ceremony at John's beautiful lakefront home in Bloomington. Now, this hasn't always been a smooth road to the altar. In fact, the couple were together firstly for three years from 2011 to 2014. And then John rushed to the side of supermodel Christy Brinkley. What brought the couple back together? Now, Meg said in 2015 she was just having a little break from love. And John, by 2017, once he was single again, was full of regret with how things ended with Meg. What began as a reconciliation, an apology, a get-together as friends, naturally spiralled into a love affair once again. All right, changing gears slightly, James, you recently had a one-on-one exclusive interview with the most powerful man on television, Sean Hannity, in which he told you about his inspiring rags-to-riches story. What can you tell me about the man that we see on Fox News every night that listeners here to this podcast don't really know? So Sean is an incredibly well-spoken and well-loved TV anchor, but not many people know that he really began his career with just $200 and a small contracting business that he's now turned into a personal net worth of more than $200 million. Now, when I spoke to him, he did have a bee in his bonnet, so to speak. He's been having a back and forth, a head-to-head with US Senator Ben Sass, who dedicated an entire chapter of his upcoming book to slate and slam Sean, despite them previously being on fairly good terms. Now, when I spoke to Sean, I had to ask him, was he flattered or frustrated by Senator Sass dedicating an entire chapter of his book to him? I think it's sad. I think it's pathetic. (laughs) You know, you're making me laugh. I mean, look, here's the thing. I mean, you don't ever hear from this guy. He doesn't do anything bold. He's not, you know, say what you will about Donald Trump. You know where he stands. He made a list of promises when he ran. And one by one, he checks them off and he fulfills the promises. Being a successful politician isn't that hard. You ask people to back you, you put out an agenda, and you fight like hell for that agenda. That's what I'm looking for. Now, Donald Trump, is he a disruptor? Absolutely. Is he an iconoclast? Yep. Is he breaking a lot of dishes every day and pissing off the establishment? Absolutely. But is he also fighting for freer, fairer trade deals for the American people? He's not just fighting, he's winning. You know, Canada, uh, Mexico, our our Western European allies, you know, he's saying, hey, we pay 72 cents of every dollar for NATO. Can you guys step up? Hey, we're your best partners. Why do we have one-sided trade deals? And he negotiates better deals. So I'm looking for powerful dynamic, you know, 
not in it for themselves, people that fight for their beliefs, their country, and the things that they're passionate about. Listen, I, I've had a run-in with this guy, too, that I think I mentioned it years ago on the radio nobody knows about. So I'm at CPAC one year, which is, I don't know if you know what CPAC is, but it's a conservative you know, political action committee. And I'm doing an interview, we're about to do an interview with Glenn Beck. All of a sudden, this guy comes up and gets in my face. And he's like, stop lying to the people of Nebraska about me. And I look at him, I'm like, who are you? I didn't even know who he was. And I, he goes, you're telling the people of Nebraska that I'm going to vote for Hillary, that I'm voting for Hillary. I said, no, you're wrong. I've never said that. I said, what I said is you being a never Trumper, that's a half a vote for Hillary. And I stand by that. And I said it right to his face. And literally steam is coming out of this guy's ears because all he cares about is him. Now, I've been very, I'd said it many times. I don't shy away from a fight. I don't shy away from an argument. And I looked at right now. I said, you are a half a vote for Hillary. And I literally thought he was going to, you know, now, to, to to me on on the outside here looking in at this this dynamic the relationship that you have with with your critics and with people who do try to take you on is this is something that you've never waned from you've been a self-starter ever since you were a young boy and and everything you've achieved has been from your own hard work and and you've never waved um or cowered to to fear or, or to favor and it seems like a lot of the people that try to take you on do you can James, let me tell you something. I am now 30 years in radio. I'm 23 years. I'm the, I'm the old guy at Fox now. And I've been on since the day Fox went on the air. Let me be blunt. I don't give a shit what any politician in Washington thinks about me, what they say about me, if they attack me. But I'm a fighter. You take shots at me, I'm going to hit you back 10 times harder. I don't apologize because since Trump's been elected, four million new jobs have been created. I don't know. I don't apologize for supporting policies that gave us, you know, a second quarter economic growth of four point two percent. Obama once said manufacturing jobs are never coming back to America. Well, guess what? Four hundred thousand since he's been elected. We have more, um, more, more than a million jobs available in America than we have on people on unemployment. We have new unemployment claims at a 49-year low. We have the lowest unemployment since 1969. Median household income, the highest level ever recorded. We have 14 states record low unemployment, record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, and youth unemployment. I am not apologizing for supporting the policies that literally has taken America. Remember, Obama put 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in, in poverty. That was eight years of Obama. I'm not apologizing that the forgotten men and women of this country that get up every day, work hard, play by the rules, pay their taxes, obey the laws, that they now are getting better jobs better careers, having an opportunity to get a little bit bigger home, a better car, take a vacation, go out to eat, because I'm that person. That's who I am. That's how I've lived most of my life, in spite of, you know, people like Ben Sass writing a stupid book that nobody's going to buy or read. I promise you the numbers will prove that out and trying to pick a fight with me so he can sell it. 
Now, and when you do talk about being fearless and, and refusing to apologize for success stories, now, obviously, you and President Trump are much alike in that way that when you've built these empires and you do refuse to cower, is your relationship with him stronger or weaker than it was maybe 18 months ago? I am extraordinarily thankful that we have a president that wakes up every single day and goes to fight for the American people. And I'm thankful that he keeps his promises because you know what? I also stood up for him because I've known him for 25 years. I knew he would do it. I knew the person he was. A lot of people had doubts. He was a New York businessman. He played the game a little bit so he could keep his workers working, putting buildings up in the sky. But at the end of the day, he had learned an awful lot about how left-wing liberal policies, redistribution, fail. You know, we want to be a land of hope, opportunity, where whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever talents God gave you, you, you bring those talents to fruition. And the only limits on how far you go is how much you're willing to work. That's the America I love. And the America that you love, if you could have one, one policy that you, if you were sitting in the Oval Office now, what would be the dream policy that you'd get, get you know, signed off and moving I, here? I, the biggest, and the president has taken enormous steps to get here. And I've talked to him in interviews about it. Um, and that is, I want America on the fast track to be the largest, single, biggest energy capital in the world. We have more natural resources, gas, coal, oil, we've got it all. And the president has, is building two pipelines, the Dakota pipeline, the Keystone XL pipeline. The president literally saved the coal industry in states like Kentucky and West Virginia. The president opened up Anwar, one of the biggest oil reserves for drilling. That's open. We can now drill again in the 48 states. The minute America's energy independent, you think about it, we get to share that energy and sell that energy to our friends around the world uh, in Western Europe so that they're not dependent on Middle Eastern oil with all the political instability. They're not dependent on Russian energy, that they're going to get it from their friends that will give them free, uh, fair prices, you know, free of any worries or any concerns that one day it could be turned into a weapon. Do you think, I mean, hear, hearing you talk and, and not only on your show, but but in person with your your views and your and that you're like the all American great on this on this campaign and mission to really improve the country and, and give the people of the country better livelihoods. Is this something that you would consider ever doing to to run your own campaign, either as governor or in, in a political format and maybe later down the line, possible president? But James, I never I honestly I feel like God just God kind of was hasn't been paying attention. I think there are far more worthy, deserving people than me. Uh, as a little old talk show host. Maybe not Kanye West. <laughs> well, I don't think I can win governor in New York. I'll tell you that. Nobody nobody with common sense can. Um, you know, I don't think about Listen, I, I'm not the... I believe strongly in God. I probably should go to church a lot more than I do. I'm, I promise you I'm not the perfect person. But I will say this. You know, I've never planned one thing in my life. All I did was when a door opened, I jumped. When I'm on top of the high cliff, I dove. I did. That's that's the story of my life. Yeah. And I had opportunities. I never you know, I always tell people, I don't care how scared you are, how much fear you have. 
doubts you may have in your head, do it. And then you're going to find that you're going to grow into whatever opportunity came your way, that sometimes people will see things in you that you don't see yourself. And I, you know, I feel very blessed. But do I have any plans for the future? No, none. Why would you vote for me for president? I don't know if I would. I don't think I'm legally allowed, but I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll wear a pin badge for <laughs> if you, I Sean. president, I'll fix that. <laughs> Good man. All right, I'll I'm in. Possible. I'm in. I'll make the placard now. I mean, I just, I, I love people of courage. I love people that stand up. You know, by the way, Ben Sass is not one of them. You know, and all he's trying to do is get me to help sell his stupid book because I have 600 of the best radio stations in America and the number one cable news show in the country. And guess what I'm not doing? I'm not selling that book. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say that it's a smart way to promote your book is to, to go after the man who can, who can sell it for you. In a way, yes. But when you tell people the truth that he's a con man and a liar and a fake and a phony and a fraud like he is and expose it and tell the story of how he sucked up to me, you know, love me. You're great. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. I couldn't have done this without you and all your help and support. You know, um, I, I look, the people in Nebraska, they'll see. I'm right. He's uh, he's not the person he portrayed himself to be. None of the great success that I rattled off to you earlier, and it's etched into my brain, my heart, and my soul because I care so much about it. None of it happens if he had his way because he's a never-Trumper. And I think he's bitter, and he's the very thing that he accuses other people of. What he's accusing me of, he's guilty of. You know, writes all this crap about me. Why is he serving the people? Of, why does he have time to write a book when he's supposed to serve the people in Nebraska? <laughs> Doesn't he have more important senatorial duties than to sell this this piece of crap book that he wrote? Here's my prediction. That book is going to tank. It is going to dive and it's going to flop and it's going to fail. And then I'll then I'll take him up on his debate offer after it's long gone and put in the one dollar box. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll debate him at that point. You'll when, take, you know the one dollar <laughs> bin when you go to the the bookstores. That's where his book's going to be. They'll be queuing around the corner at Goodwill to buy it after he ha he's after he's yeah. on your show. <laughs> By the way, put that in. I want that in. Those are my words. And leave it in. We did. What a fascinating chat with Sean Hannity, the radio extraordinaire, and the man who dominates television ratings on Fox News. James, job well done. Great interview, and thank you very much for joining us here on All Rise. Thank you for having me on the show once again, Dylan. Love your work. And a special shout out to the executive producer of All Rise, David Cousins. I woke up this morning, logged onto Facebook, as I do every morning, and there it was. One of those Facebook memes that it automatically creates to celebrate seven years of friendship. David is the man behind the show, the man who books the guests, the man who gets me briefed, the man who gets me up to date on all the topics. He does a tremendous job and seven years on, he still remains one of my very close friends and I wanted to wish him a very happy Facebook 7th anniversary. This has been All Rise, Episode 3, Season 2. The only podcast with the guts to tell it like it is.